make our confession here. We're going to make a couple of them today. <clears throat> First one. Oh, we got the, well, we're going to go with the oldie but the goodie. Okay, I like oldies but goodie. The word of God is true. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. I encourage all of you to get this book that I am reading. Carolyn Leaf, Think, Learn, and Succeed. And that if you get your mind renewed to the things of God, all of the things of God are going to begin to flow. I encourage you to get that. It goes right along with our confession on truth. Now, I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Let's say thank God again. You can be seated. <coughs> Good to have all of you in the house of the Lord. Pastor Bam had a great message last Sunday, and I don't know who's going to be up next Sunday, but somebody will be. But we need to pray for uh, Brad, and uh, Brad Marshall is, is actually down working on a project right now, but he's leaving Tuesday for uh, Long South Carolina, which is right near uh, on the edge of Myrtle Beach. He'll be working with Terry Henshaw, Disaster Relief. They'll be setting up a tent there and have some semis coming in. If any of you want to get involved, there's a card that you can fill out on the table back there in the back and uh, give it uh, to uh, Sandy or just uh, leave it on the table. We'll be collect them all. And if you'd like to go for a few days, they have a place for you to uh, stay. All you need to do to, uh, is uh, certainly get there and get back, but uh, take a bedroll for, uh, for your uh, sleeping, but uh, you'll have a great time there. Father, we do thank you for Brad and Terry. We thank you for their call to disaster relief, and we thank you for others in this church that also perhaps are going, and we just thank you, Lord, that, the, that you will direct their steps and that we pray for the precious people out there that have just seemingly lost everything, but we know that you're going to replace it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know how many of you know who Kanye West is, and I probably haven't been following a whole lot of his music, but i tell you what, this old boy is on fire for the things of God and supporting Donald Trump, President Trump, and I just caught a blurb of it of what happened, um, just went out on the internet. Uh, he is really chastising everybody. Uh, over this confirmation hearing and over every, everything that's happening. And uh, so while I haven't listened to much of his music, I'm becoming a Kanye West fan, glory to God. He's taken a lot of criticism for it, a lot of criticism for it, but he's standing up and he said, I'm a man that I'm going to support who I feel I need to support. And he really went off and talking about the, the assassination attempt that is going forth over uh, Judge Kavanaugh. And I believe that it is an assassination attempt. And I believe that every one of you, I encourage you, now you may not feel this way, but I encourage you that you need to call Senator Donnelly. And you need to tell Senator Donnelly you need to vote to confirm Judge Kavanaugh. Senator Donnelly has already said that he's not going to confirm him. Uh, there is no reason this man should not be confirmed. He's highly qualified for the bench. His background is impeccable. We welcome the uh, FBI investigation that's going to go on for another week. But there's no question in my mind, this is not about this man's credentials. 
This is not about any allegations. This is about Roe versus Wade. This is about a group of progressive liberal people in America who believes that no matter how long a baby is in the womb, it's not a person. It can be terminated and murdered at any moment. It is about the right to murder and the right not to murder. And we need to come to our spiritual senses in this regard. Judge Kavanaugh has enough in his background. <coughs> if you look at some of his speeches and some of his decisions that he's made, he is pro-life. He believes that Roe versus Wade was an incorrect thing that the Supreme Court did. That it was never up to the federal government or the Supreme Court to determine life. It was up to God who determines life. And God knows that life begins when a heart beats. And if you don't know that, you got a problem with your spirit. When a heart beats, it is a life. And the only way you can stop a heart is to stop and murder the life. And we are pro-life in this church. Let's all say it. I, I, I don't know if you mean it or not, but I'm going to ask you to say it anyway. Let's say I am pro-life. Let's give the Lord a hand for that because God is pro-life. Now, before we get into this message, <coughs> excuse me, we need to be a little bit lighthearted. So it reminded me of a joke that I heard a long time ago about politicians. Wouldn't you like to have one of these? Just raise your hand again, Sam. <laughs> Sandy's the stewardess. She'll get you whatever you want. Ah, very good. I didn't need it, but it tasted good. <clears throat> I, love, I love this joke. <clears throat> How many of you realize that we are dealing in spiritual warfare in this nation? It's spiritual warfare, total spiritual warfare. So if you're trying to get right or wrong, we're dealing with demonic forces that have infiltrated people and have infiltrated certain types of people, and we're dealing with angelic beings that want to promote us. And we are going to have to get out there and get with the program. <coughs> the joy of the Lord is our strength, folks. Everybody say, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord. is my strength. Is my strength. So when you get involved in this political battle and this spiritual battle, and we should be involved on all fronts, on all fronts, uh, you, you need to do it with the understanding that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't let anybody take your joy away from you. A busload of politicians were driving down a country road when all of a sudden the bus ran off the road, crashed into a tree, into an old farmer's field. The old farmer, after seeing what happened, went out to investigate. He proceeded to dig a hole and bury all the politicians. A few days later, the local sheriff came by, saw the crashed bus, and asked the farmer, where all the politicians had gone? The farmer said, buried them all. The sheriff asked the farmer, were they all dead? Yeah, the farmer replied, some said they weren't, but you know how those politicians lie. <laughs> I love that. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Mark, chapter 11, and we're going to be talking about the tremendous importance of any day that we live in, that especially in this day and age, the importance of our faith, and our confidence in God, and our faith and our confidence that God wants to use us, not just in a political arena, not just for our nation, but for your individual life. And, the, and you understand the importance of faith 
and how God has given us the victory. Let's say, say I have the victory. And that, and that we are going forth having faith in God to accomplish his plan for the rest of our lives. These two little kids up there, Descartes and Descartier. I love that, Descartier. That, that just, that's impressive. So is Descartes. I like Descartes too. And I like William, you said it was, uh, what is it? Beckett William. No, William Beckett sounds better. Just <coughs> <coughs> We, we had a little challenge on who's going to get first place billing with his grandson, and I lost. Uh, but uh, Beckett William is correct. But, but those two little kids, there's a plan orchestrated by God for them already. And I, I could feel the warmth of Descartier that al already the devil wants to get him off track because he sees what God put in him. And, and Descartes. And, but, but right now they're sweet, they're innocent, they're young. The world wants to come and infiltrate them. Mom and dad's not going to let that happen because there's a plan for their life. Everybody say, there's a plan for their life. Tell your neighbor, there's a plan for your life too. <clears throat> and you may be in the center of the will of God for your plan. And you may say, I can see myself doing this the rest of my life. Go for it. But if you aren't, you need to get your prayer journal out and you need to get the playbook out. Because the playbook is your prayer journal. This is what's saying, this is what's the next season of my life. This is where we're going to go. I just uh, was, was working on the book that I've been writing. I've been not talking about the book I've been writing for a long time because it's taken me a long time to write the book. But my wife is proofreading the book right now, and she told me that it's okay. So we're going to have signed copies for all of you for about 100 bucks a piece. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> $99. <clears throat> oh, by the way, by the way, Andy, congratulate Andy and Lisa. Their daughter, Megan, was married yesterday in a beautiful ceremony conducted by Pastor Dan. Pastor Dan did a, did a great job after getting there right on time. Can I tell the story? Oh, sure. <laughs> Pam and I aren't late, but we're not early. But we had no function there, so we were okay. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. So we're going down, what's that highway? Hoosier Heartland. Heartland. We're going down to Hoosier Heartland. And all of a sudden this car, I, rec I, I, I didn't exactly recognize the car, but this car is coming the other way south on Hoosier Heartland. And does a U-turn right through the center strip, way down, up like that, and up again, wham! I was going pretty fast, and I couldn't catch the car. And told Pam, I said, I'm not sure, but I think that's Dan. <laughs> At the time, I didn't know Dan was doing the wedding. Dan was running late, and man, he did a Yui, and he, he, he looked like he could be in the 500 uh, stock car race. He did an awesome job. <laughs> I did try to catch you, and I couldn't. <laughs> it was fun. Oh, excuse me. Tea tastes so good, getting addicted to it. Now, we're going to be looking in Mark chapter 11. I probably had a point I was going to make there, but I'm not sure what it was. <clears throat> but in the book of Mark, it's Jesus giving one of the best examples of faith regarding how you and I should be living, living our life. And Mark 11:22 says, Have faith in God. <coughs> Excuse me. For assuredly I say to you that whoever says to this mountain, 
be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt. Everybody say, does not doubt. Does not doubt in his heart, but believes that these things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. What will we have? We will have whatever we say. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Our faith is in God and God wants us to ask for the things that he has put in our heart through the written word and through our prayer journal. <clears throat> and then 1 John chapter 5, it talks about the importance of confidence. As I was writing this book, and I'm not, out, I'm not trying to promote the book, but as I was writing this book, it really brought me face to face with mistakes that I had made in my life. And there were parts of it when I, when I would write it, it's like, God, I, I really did these things. I really had to press through in these areas where I had failed, and it caused me to lose confidence. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It caused me to lose confidence. I don't think I ever lost faith in God once I knew God. I don't think I ever lost confidence in God, but my faith was shaken in me to perform God's will in my life. And my confidence was not there because of what I did. You know, they say to you that the devil is the father of lies. He is. But a lot of the things the devil came to accuse me of, I did. Can I see the hands of all the people? You know the same thing, what I'm talking about. It wasn't a lie. I did it. But God had cleansed the slate, and he had forgiven me, and he'd wiped it clean so therefore, I could go forth and do whatever God had for me. But I was in a church during a period of time, and I don't fault this church. I thank God for this church. I thank God for this pastor. I was saved in his office. He wasn't there, but that's where I was saved, in his office. I went out there not too long ago and tried to find his office, and they've changed it and remodeled. It's gone. A piece of my history is gone. <laughs> but, I, but I was saved in that office. And, and uh, I, I, I remember, that, you know, that, that there, I lost my point of thought again. There I was getting ready. Pardon? Oh, about making mistakes. And, and about how God always wants to restore into your life. And that at, at that church, I started attending that church. And, and, I, and in my prayer journal and in the things after I met Pam and all, I, I was hearing what God wanted to do with the rest of my life. You're hearing what God wants you to do. Whether you're listening or not, it's another thing. Turn to your name and tell me, you're hearing from God. God is never not telling you what he wants you to do with the rest of your life because he's the commander-in-chief. He needs you in position for the next step and the next season of your life. He needs you where God wants you to be. <clears throat> but in this church... I heard a message that if you've ever been divorced, you can't be used in ministry. And I'm feeling this call in here, and not this one, but the mother prayer journal, and, and, and I'm hearing that I can't be used because there's a scripture in the Word of God that says a husband should be the wife of only one, I mean, the husband should be the husband, husband of only one wife. Can any of you guys ever think beyond your wildest comprehension of practicing polygamy? 
Is that what it's called? More than one wife? Glory to God, I cannot imagine that. I have a hard enough time handling one wife. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just joking with that. <clears throat> but really, most people believe that that just means that back in that time, they, they practiced having multiple wives. And that what it was saying was that it is God's will that you have, just like he said way back in the Garden of Eden, one man, one woman, one marriage, forever, and move forth with that. I was willing to accept that because I already felt a lack of confidence in myself that I could never be used by God in that arena. But then when God took us out of Lafayette and took us to Tulsa, I heard a different message. I heard a message that not only does God forgive you of your sins, thank you, Jesus, but God then forgets and doesn't even remember them. Wouldn't it be great if we could believe the way God believes? See, that is faith. We need to believe the way God believes. He does not see any of our past transgressions. So therefore, we have this confidence that as children of God, we can come to Him. And this is 1 John chapter 5. This is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything in accordance with His will, He hears us and we know we have the petitions that we have asked of him. When I think and look back at the things that God has shown us to do as an outreach of this church and, and of what has been born out of this prayer journal, it absolutely amazes me when we would pray and ask God where we're right on the verge of the breakthrough and it looked like we aren't going to make it and then all of a sudden the breakthrough comes. And I know some of you have heard this question, but but I just want to encourage you, you're on the edge of a breakthrough. Tell your neighbor, you're on the edge of a breakthrough. <clears throat> Don't back up. No reverse. But just keep right on moving ahead. If you're living out of your prayer journal, you know, I, you've heard me tell this story over the years, but in the very beginning when I first got saved, the first scripture I found was John chapter 14, verse, verse 14. The first scripture I could remember, it was the shortest one I've ever seen. It says, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. So, glory to God, I'm glad I found you, and I'm glad you found me. I won a Lincoln Continental, and I won out of debt tomorrow. I never got out of debt tomorrow. What I did, it was a long time of tomorrows. It was a long list of tomorrows, and I never got the Lincoln Continental. I got what God had for me. Thank you, Jesus, and thank you, people. But, uh, but I, 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 I did get a new car eventually, but it wasn't based on my selfish attitude. It was based on the leading of the Holy Spirit. In other words, if you're doing what God's called you to do, he'll take care of it. <clears throat> and, I was, and I was writing this one chapter of the book, and it just so impressed me. And I just want to share it again. I know some of you have heard it, but we've had a lot of visitors since then. But when we had the first golf tournament, and God spoke into my spirit, and I had it in my prayer journal, you know, uh, I want you to help this man build the orphanage in the Sudan, your church, your church, our church. And so we helped them. And by the way, 130 children in uh, Uganda in a refugee camp still making the best of a bad situation. It appears that a peace accord agreement has been reached. Not signed. They haven't been able to get the word out into the field yet. There's still some challenges going on in the South Sudan. But it looks like 2019 will be the year they'll sign the peace agreement 
and Stanley will be able to return in triumph back to yay and back to the dreamland. And we're looking forward. You can give a bigger applause than that to the Lord. <clears throat> and we're looking forward to that event. It is going to make national headlines and for the glory of God and, uh, and the man Stanley over there. But if you recall that event, we were going to raise $12,000 and we talked to some people and and did some things, and we ended up with a golf tournament, and some people said that seems like a lot of money to be raised, and I thought it was a lot of money to be raised at the same time. But then the night of the golf tournament, we had $11,000. I felt like God had spoken to my spirit. We were to give the $12,000. We had $11,000 that night. I was ready to figure out how we can come up with another $1,000 because we were $1,000 short but that's okay. I thought it was close enough. That night, saw a lady in Walmart, asked what's going on, told her about the golf tournament. She said, can my grandson play? Sure, have him show up. He shows up that morning at 7 o'clock, gets in the golf cart, get him a sign where he's going to go. He jumps out of his golf cart, comes running over to my golf cart, said, by the way, my grandma said to give you this, and he, gave, and he handed me an envelope, opened it up, a check for $1,000 before, yeah, go ahead and give the Lord a hand. And before we teed off, we had $12,000, and in my spirit, what I heard was, if I said $12,000, you will have $12,000. Whatever you ask for, God, if God tells you something to do, you have what you need to do it. All you got to do is go to the supply store and ask for it. It's like in the military. Some of you have been in the military. You get your orders. You don't go sit down on your bunk and say, how am I going to afford to go to Hawaii? By the way, this is where the military sent me on your tax money. How am I going to afford to go to, how am I going to, afford to, go to Hawaii? How will I get there? I don't know how. How will I eat? How will I, what will I do? No, you go to the supply store, and you get your per diem. You get your money. You get your clothes. You change your clothes. You get a tropical clothes. Yeah, I'm thinking about Hawaii right now. Glory to God. Kelson, let's go. We'll plant that church. Where do you want to go, buddy? We are ready to go. <clears throat> And, and, you, and it gets to the point in your life where you get so spiritually pumped up. Everybody say spiritually pumped up. You get so spiritually pumped up, you think, I think I can do anything God tells me to do. In our right mind, we think that, and then God says, well, then do it. Well, then do it. Well, wait a minute. What about the money? What about the family? What about the clothes? What about the utilities? What about all these things? When God sent us to Tulsa, and I told Pam, I said, Pam, all I hear is, go to Tulsa, go to Tulsa, go to Tulsa. You'll find the meaning for your life. And when I told her that, I was hoping, I really was, I was hoping, I said that in a book, I was hoping she would say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, we're not going to do that. She said, well, then let's go. Oh, glory God, now what am I going to do? Now I've got her in agreement with me, thinking I'm in agreement with God, and I have no idea how or what we're going to do. You are hearing things from God. Everybody say, I hear from God. You are hearing things from God, and you're not getting it. Now, I'm not talking about you per se, but perhaps I am. You're not putting it in your prayer journal because you can't understand it. You're trying to understand it because you, before you put it in your prayer journal. Don't try to understand it. The Word of God says don't lean to your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge Him. He will direct your steps. $12,000, great opportunity, everything worked good. I was ready to rest, and it was fun. And then got over there to the Sudan, met Stanley, got excited talking to him. And then in my spirit, I hear, ask Stanley, what do you do with $50,000? That was easy for me to ask because I wasn't responsible. And I said, hey, Stanley, 
What would you do with $50,000? Stanley looks at me and says, ha, 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 ha. He started laughing. He said, Stanley's got a funny laugh. I really like it. He says, where would we get $50,000? I said, I have no idea. God's got a lot of money. And that was all it was said. Came away from there. I thought it was kind of cute. You know, whatever, just one of those things. And then, in my spirit, I heard, I want your church to raise the $50,000 for Stanley so he can build the orphanage. Well, wait a minute. Glory to God. We just finished it up. How many of you, I, I, th I have this section in my book that God will forgive me for. Sometimes I get tired of asking God for money. I would prefer to have it. I would prefer to have it in my bank account. It takes a whole lot of effort on my part to believe for $50,000. If I have $50,000 in my bank account, it doesn't take a whole lot of effort. It's a lot easier. How many of you found out it's a lot easier if you already have it to do it than if it's beyond your ability? God is not going to stay within your abilities. Turn to your neighbor and say, God doesn't care about your ability. He wants to give you his ability to accomplish what he has for you. And so that's where our confidence comes in. And when the 50,000 came up, and I remember talking to this one person, they said, have you found out that there are a lot of positive people in the world? Very positive, very encouraging, very exhorting. Very, have you found out there are a whole lot of negative people in the world? It seems like some days there are more negative people than positive people. I'm sure that's not true, but it does seem like that sometimes. And I remember talking to some of the people. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because I want to build your faith too. God's going to take you out of your comfort zone. And I remember when I finally settled the issue that I thought God wanted us to raise the $50,000, and everybody on our staff was supportive. I think some were supportive with a weary eye, like, are you sure you know what you're doing? But that's okay, because I was trying to be sure myself. But everybody got on board, and everything was fine. And I remember saying, God, how do we raise $50,000? And he, he gave me a plan, <clears throat> and all I heard was putt-putt golf. And most of you have heard this story, but it went out the putt-putt golf course here. You used to have three 18-hole courses. How many of you remember that? Wish we still had it. Three 18-hole courses. And I went out there and talked to the guy. And I said, what are you going to do? And yeah, but, and I said, could we just rent the course for one day? Yeah. He came up with a really good deal, four or $500. It was just a really awesome deal. He said, how much money are you going to raise? And I said, $50,000. He said, you'll never do that. You'll never raise $50,000. And I said, well, I will. And he said, well, you won't. And I said, well, you know, I'm, 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 I'm negotiating with a guy that I'm starting. I like a lot because he said we could have it for four or $500. And now I'm starting to dislike him and almost starting to argue with him. And then finally I said, if it's God, we will have the $50,000. Long story short, that night, 10 o'clock, we counted up all the money. We were over $50,000 to the glory of God. I say this to you because... Our faith and our confidence has to get over the fear of failure regarding finances and just failing. Most of us lock up in the area of finances and failure. Well, what if it's not God? And then sometimes we get over the act of, okay, I don't care how much I fail because I think this is God, so I'm going to go forth. But the area of finances lock us up. I have this plaque. I've shared this before, I'm sure, in my office. Michael Jordan missed over 9,000 shots when he played in the NBA. 
but he said, I keep shooting. I've, I've lost 30 games by missing the last shot, but I keep shooting. Probably, arguably, one of the best basketball players that ever played. Babe Ruth hit more home runs at one time before Hank Aaron broke his record than anybody. My little plaque of Babe Ruth's statement is, don't ever be afraid to strike out. Matter of fact, that's a great statement. Let's say, don't ever be afraid to strike out. Tell your neighbor, don't ever be afraid of anything. Don't ever be afraid of anything. What is God telling us to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to move forth? Hebrews chapter 10. Powerful scripture in here talking about our confidence <coughs> in God. Therefore, <coughs> it said, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise of God. When you find it, go ahead and put it up anyway. In other words, therefore, do not cast away. Just leave that one up. Do not cast away your confidence. Whose confidence? My confidence. Don't cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Then it goes on to say, that there, uh, excuse me, uh, that you have need of endurance. Awfully embarrassing to blow your nose in front of all you people. So close your eyes. <coughs> For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you shall receive the promise from God. This is my playbook. This is my promise book. This my command. This is how I live my life and how you live your life. This is the playbook of promises. Go to the Sudan and help start the orphanage. $50,000. Now we go to the second phase and God said, Get, raise $100,000. And I made a mistake. We only raised $70,000, but I made a mistake. I'm praising God for the $70,000. The orphanage is going, and we are living out of the playbook because to the best of our ability, we were trying to stay in the center of the will of God. If you're running with God and running in the center of the will of God, all of the finances, all of the things you have need of are prepared and waiting for you, and they'll be ahead of you. It'll be like running a pass play. And the pass play is you're running on the 50-yard line and you're cutting over toward the 30-yard line. That's where the ball's going. The ball's not following you. The ball is going where God said he's going to throw the ball. That's where the blessing is. you got to run the pattern. And that's why one of the most important scriptures in the entire Bible, I believe, is in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It's an area where I fall short. It's an area where many people fall short from time to time. The good news is if we fall short, we get right back up and we start running the race all over again. But it says, present your body as a living sacrifice, pure, holy, acceptable unto the Lord, which is just your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world. This world is in spiritual turmoil and warfare, and it's not going to get better. The good news is, I believe we are going to have revival, but the darkness isn't going to get brighter. It says the world. You read 2 Timothy. You read 2 Thessalonians. The world is getting worse and worse and worse, but the body of Christ will shine brighter and brighter and brighter. Can you say amen to that? <clears throat> so then it goes on to say, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will know what is the perfect will of God. I'm telling you right now, 
a perfect will of God is for Roe versus Wade to be overturned. The perfect will of God, I'm telling you right now, is for the House bill, our Senate bill, it's not out of, I don't even know if it's in committee, but there is, an, uh, they have introduced, I think it's called the conception, or uh, I, forget the, I forget the act, I shouldn't have gone there. But anyway, basically this is what it is. We're going to define when life begins. That's in the Constitution. Life begins the moment a heart beats. The moment a heart beats, that defines life. That's what this resolution is going to be. I believe it is the perfect will of God for that to be defined. How many of you believe that? Perfect will of God. Let's define life because it was stated by the Supreme Court itself that the moment the origin of life can be defined legally, Roe versus Wade would become a mute point and it would become null and void. Do you think God wants 60 million, 70 million, 80 million children aborted? No way. Not only the children, think about the mothers that have suffered the consequences of that for the rest of their lives. Forgiven with repentance, forgiven through Jesus, but it's a tragedy in this nation. But we have the victory. And it says that don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will know what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. When you're living out of this prayer journal, perfect will of God, I'm going to Florida. Uh, Florida, yeah, glory to God. That's a Freudian slip. Hallelujah. God wants me on that beach in Florida making sure everybody's saved. <laughs> I'm going to Tulsa. Tulsa. God will supply all of my needs. I'm going to leave my job and I'm going to go out to do this. God will supply all of you. If God tells you to do it, you do it. God took a job away from me. Pam, I thought about you. When I was out in Tulsa, I was going to work at this Snelling and Snelling Employment Service. And I was going to make a lot of money and help God in the ministry. They come in and close down the office right around me. I didn't have to quit. Didn't have to get fired. They just closed the office. Didn't have any place to go to work. Well, I might as well go to Bible school. Might as well go to ministry. Might as well go into ministry. They closed the office doors. <coughs> it sounds funny now. But when I think about the things they were saying about Judge Kavanaugh, drinking when he was 17, Bill knew me when I was 17. Glory to God. I am no candidate to be your pastor. As a matter of fact, when we started, wow, time goes fast. When we started this church, and I know some of you have heard this story too, we're going to live with Pam, Pam's mom and dad. They invited us. They were so gracious. We live with them. I said, we're not living with your parents. We didn't have any money. I was just talking. <laughs> so we ended up, how many of you guys know what I'm talking about? How many of you wives know exactly what I'm talking about? We just, I, we just come bobbleheads. We just say, well, I'm not doing that. Because I'm not living with them. Well, we end up living with them. But I stopped at five, the old five points. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Not the new, but the old five points. I stopped in the real estate office, and I'll never forget going in and talking to this lady. And I said, we're looking for a house to rent. We can't buy right now. And she said, okay. And I said, my name is Bill Mickler, and we're starting a church here in Lafayette, Indiana. She said, Bill Mickler. Yeah. She said, you the Bill Mickler that uh, went to Jefferson High School? I said, yes. And she said, and you're a pastor? And I said, yes. She said, my God, there's hope for all of us. <laughs> I said, 
I said, do I know you? <laughs> she, said, she said, yeah, I went to school with you. And, and you're going to be a pastor? <laughs> she shook her head. <laughs> that was pretty much our greeting into Lafayette. And I thought, honey, if you're shaking your head, you can't believe how much I've shaken my head. <laughs> the good news is God has a plan. Let's all say God has a plan. The word of God says through faith and patience we'll inherit the promises of God. It's Hebrews 6.12. And then it goes on here, just for time's sake, we'll hurry into it. But Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, this describes my life. And sometimes when I think about what God has done, I just stand in awe. And, and then sometimes when I think about what I still haven't seen, most of it more on a personal level, that it says, don't become weary and discouraged in well-doing. I think I've gotten over the confidence stage, and I have confidence in God and confidence in myself that he can use me. But I still struggle, just being totally transparent with you. Uh, total, totally transparent. I become weary in well-doing because of some of the things I haven't seen that I know God has shown me. I believe that some of you are in that same position. And I believe God wants to strengthen you in that area of your life. He wants to remove the weariness. The fact that you haven't seen what you have been standing for cannot be allowed to make you so weary that you're not ready to press on with what God has. I believe weariness is the tool of the devil that he uses a lot against me, and I believe he does it against you too. And it says, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Weariness is the first step toward losing heart. But you can't let go because the word of God says that if we'll not lose heart, we will reap what we have sown. And what we're sowing is to the best of our ability to do what God has shown us. Would you stand? <clears throat> Father, I thank you for every person here today. I pray, Lord, that if there are people here today that have never accepted you as their Lord and Savior, that this would be their day of salvation. Lord, I, I pray if there are people here today that maybe have walked away from you, that this would be their day to come home. No more prodigal children. I believe you gave me a word, Lord, a message for the future or whatever, but that the prodigals are coming home. I pray, Lord, for every person here that if they're not right with you, that today would be their day to return. With your heads bowed, everybody just standing still for a moment. If you're here and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let this be that moment. If you're here and you're like that prodigal son, prodigal daughter, you, you know you've drifted away from God. Let this be the moment you come back.
And if I've described you, I'm going to ask you just to slip your hand in the air. We want to pray for you. We'll wait just a moment. Father, precious Holy Spirit, you know every person that's here today. Yes, I see your hand way back there. I see your hand. Are there others? You say, pray for me. I know my life isn't right. Holy Spirit, you know every person that's here today. You know where their life is. If I've described you, even though you didn't lift your hand, I'm going to ask you to come to the altar because we want to pray for you. All the way back there in the back, I know there's a lady. Yeah, give her a hand as she comes. (laughs) Now, while we're still in prayer, I believe God wants to lift weariness off of people today. And if you're here and that's you, just bow your heads with me. How many of you know that 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 weariness has gotten on you in well-doing? Can I see your hands? Lift them real high there. I'm going to ask you to come down here real quickly because I want to lay my hands on you. When God showed me that I had become weary in well-doing, it was as if I had... I don't know how to describe it, but I saw myself laying hands on myself and I saw myself laying hands on people. I believe God wants to remove weariness off of people's lives now. Now I want us to pray for this lady at this altar right now. Let's all pray together right now. Jesus, you pray with us. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God and I believe you died for my sins. I've sinned. I've made mistakes, but today I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart and take control of my life. Stretch your hands out here toward these at this altar. (coughs) Everyone at this altar, I want you to lift your hands. I want you to make this confession right now. I release weariness and discouragement. I stand upon the Word of God. I will reap in Jesus' name. Now, I want us to go out of here with this confession. Every single one of us have the ability to influence that sphere of influence that we have for our nation, for the fight that we're in, for the heart and soul of this nation to be more bold than we have been, not to be thinking about ourselves, be thinking about our assignment and that we have the victory and that everywhere that we go we should look like act like and talk like and walk like what we have been given in the bible and in our prayer journal so let's make this confession i have the victory i'm going from glory to glory i am the head i'm not the tail i ask anything And my God will do it. I'm on assignment from God. Therefore, everywhere I go, God goes with me. I have the power of the Holy Spirit. I have the mind of Christ. I have the vision from God. I will not fail. My God never fails. Therefore, I am thanking God. I am steadfast. Immovable. We need to say this part like we really mean it. 
Therefore, I am steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that my labor is not in vain. Let's give the Lord a hand. Go and be blessed and be a blessing.